0: My name is Chris, I'm one of the teachers here, uh, and I'm excited to be with you as we're wrapping up our series on the seven deadly sins. Now maybe you've been with us uh, over the last couple of months, uh, we've been digging into c- kind of some of these well-known sins, obviously not an exhaustive list of all of the sins that there are out there, but these are some of the, the sins that we know, that, that, uh, that we've heard about, and so hopefully over the last couple of months you have been... Uh, challenged, I, I know for me, as I have um, had conversations with uh, with relationships in my life, with my family members i 've i 've looked at these things as i 've studied and and i 've really seen uh, that even though I might not think that I struggle with all of these lists of sins in some way, shape or form uh, i do and so I hope that over the last couple of weeks um, or and and months as you 've been kind of talking about this and as we 've been digging in that you have seen that uh, that, that this is an opportunity for us to grow. You know, I believe with all of my heart that, that the Word of God is living and it's active, and as we dig into it, it's useful in our lives. And so hopefully as we've talked about some of these things and we've seen what God's Word has to say about these sins, that, this, that the, the Word of God has transformed your life. I know that it has mine. And I also hope that uh, you haven't been coming to the service and felt Uh, judged or condemned or, you know, super shameful about what it is that you have been struggling with. Maybe it's some of these sins in your life. Because the Bible is very clear that every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. That's every single one of us. But God doesn't leave us there. He makes a way for us to be in relationship with Him. And so He doesn't want us stuck in the shame of our sin. He doesn't want us stuck in, in in the feelings of desperation and despair. No, he wants to change us from the inside out. And so hopefully over the last again couple months that's been the heart and that's that you've seen that that's our heart and it's the heart of God. And so with that being said, today what we're going to do is we are going to finish off the series uh, with the last of the seven deadly sins. And this is the sin of sloth. Now I have to be completely transparent with you when I first saw that I was going to be teaching here and teaching about sloth I really had to investigate what sloth really meant. I mean when I think of the word sloth or maybe you have thought of the word sloth this is the first thing that comes to my mind. Right like When I think of sloth, this is what I come to. And to be honest with you, uh, this is kind of like my spirit animal. Like, you know how we all want to be something? (laughs) Like, this guy, literally what he does is he eats whenever he wants, he sleeps whenever he wants, and man, he just takes life super, super slow. Uh, Here are some of the things that uh, you may not know about a sloth. Uh, This guy sleeps for anywhere between 15 to 18 hours. Uh, how many of you would benefit from just one more hour of sleep at night, right? Like, just one more hour if I could just get one, you know, that, that hour that I'm usually counting sheep, maybe you do the same thing. Uh, this, this guy, he is the slowest moving mammal on earth. Like, he just takes his time. How many of you have young kids and, and, man, everything just seems like life is on the run? Like, you just wish you could slow down a little bit, right? Like, just kind of slow down and enjoy life. Uh, he's so slow that as he kind of travels through things, he, he's known to get, like, algae on his fur, and he's so lazy that he will lick the algae off of his fur for nutrition. I mean, that that epitomizes laziness, right? Like, Think of all of the things that this guy does. But, you know, when we come to this idea of sloth, you might have had the same question that I have. Like, is sloth really a sin? Like, is is this idea of sloth or maybe laziness, is this really a bad sin? Does it really kind of you know, have the same implications of things like lust and pride and greed and envy and anger, right? Like, is this really, really a big deal? And, and I would say, I would venture out to say, believe it or not, that as we dig in and as we see what God's word has to say about the implications of sloth, that this can be one of the most deadliest sins of them all. Because not only does it impact us personally, but it also impacts our relationship with God and with others. And as we dig into that today, why don't we pray together uh, one time before we jump into the message. Father, I, I ask that you would uh, just speak to our hearts today ever so clearly through your word. God, I, I pray that if there are those of us in here who don't even know what this word means, God, would you reveal it to us and maybe would you show to us how we struggle with it individually in our life? Uh, God, most importantly, would would This changed the way we view our relationship with you and with others. We love you, Lord. Speak to us again so clearly in your word today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I I think for many of us when we think of the word sloth and we, we think about it, we have this idea that it's the same as laziness. And I would say there's definitely some similarities when it comes to that idea but I think that they're very different. In fact, that's really our first point today, if you're taking notes, uh, maybe you're gonna have this conversation in your small group this week, uh, is this, is that sloth really is a giving up on life and relationships. Sloth is giving up on life and relationships, and even though it looks like, or maybe manifests itself in laziness, really it's more than that. It's apathy. You know, I think if we look at the definition of the two, of laziness, the first thing that you're going to see is laziness is kind of this quality of uh, or being unwilling to work, right? It's just saying, hey, I'm not going to do this. Uh, I'm not willing to work. It's this idleness. It's kind of being lazy. But when we look at sloth, there's something deeper. It's kind of this underlying root issue that gets to something deeper than just laziness. It's a reluctance or a lack of enthusiasm to work or make an effort. You see how it's even more than just saying I'm unwilling. It's basically saying that, that I don't even want to, that I don't even desire to, that that this idea of apathy is that I don't have any concern or care or desire really to do anything. You know, maybe some of you have, have felt that way. I know I have many times in my life. Uh, Dorothy Sayers, a, a really well-known... Uh, English writer she says this and I think she really hits the the nail on the head when she's talking about the sin of sloth She says this that sloth is the sin which Believes in nothing it cares for nothing it seeks to know nothing It interferes with nothing enjoys nothing it loves nothing hates nothing finds purpose in nothing lives for nothing and only remains alive because there is nothing that it would die for. You see, I I think it's important for us to understand the difference between laziness and sloth. You see, sloth is a kind of this self-absorption, this apathetic way of saying that nothing really matters. That, That I'm just gonna kind of idly coast by in life that I'm not going to engage in anything, that I'm just going to, you know, kind of just go about doing life. Relationships don't matter. Life doesn't matter. Uh, it's just kind of this really, this, this way of just going about doing anything that really, truly has meaning, right? There's no reason to exert energy if nothing really matters. You know, it's, it's so much easier to just kind of coast by. Yeah, and I think about this in... You know, a lot of things that we do in our life, I think about relationships, right? Like, it's so much easier to just be surface in relationship than to really have deep, intentional relationship. It's so easy sometimes just to have very surface conversation than really invest and, and value time with people that are important to us. Maybe it's spouse or our kids or whatever. We don't take action in the things that really matter In life you know so what is this what does this look like for us in real life you know again maybe it's it's just the unwillingness not to really invest deeply into relationships yesterday my my daughter and I we went on a a daddy daughter date I've been trying to kind of be a little bit more intentional with with my daughter and uh, we decided to go to this movie called Encanto Uh, it's like a musical it's kind of this girly little thing I was really reluctant to go at first I'm gonna be transparent with you but we did, and, and we had a blast. It was awesome. I got to spend some time with her. We had lunch together, and, and then we went to this movie. And, and, and here's what's so sad. I watched this, this uh, young man come in with his daughter. She was probably my daughter's age, about nine years old. They came into the movie late. Uh, he had these kind of noise-canceling headphones over his ears. And five minutes into the movie, I kid you not, he was asleep. <laughs> And I literally watched throughout the movie, he's sitting right next to us as this young girl is looking at her father as he's sleeping during the movie. Now, if there's anything that displays sloth more than anything, I would say that's it. You see, even though the intention was there to go on a, a, you know, a a movie with a daughter, less than five minutes into it, the guy's sleeping, (laughs) Yeah, I think that's what we do. We think in our head, like, yeah, this this time or the things that we do, there's value in it, but in reality, we're not investing in what is most important, and that might be relationships. You know, maybe it's, it's coming to church, and, and you're coming to church on a Sunday, and you're getting involved, and you're checking that off the box, but you're not willing to serve. Maybe you're an alpiner, and you're saying, hey, you know, I, I like coming to church on Sunday. It feels good. I, I really enjoy it. But if this is home, are you serving? You know, maybe it's It's that we're not willing to get involved in a small group because we know that it's difficult to have intentional relationships and we miss out on what God has for us in the confines of a small group. You know, maybe in our relationship with God, we say that God, Sunday is yours, but Monday to Saturday is mine. You see, these are all self-absorbed, apathetic kind of ways that we just go about life and we make it all about us. you, You see, I think... That that's exactly the definition of sin. When we want to go our own way, when we want to do things our own way against what God really wants for us. And you know, I also believe that when we live in that kind of apathetic, self-absorbed kind of lifestyle where it's all about us and not about anything else, that's exactly where the enemy Satan wants us. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 10. This is what he said. He said that the enemy, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And listen, let me tell you this. He knows, the enemy knows, that the further we are away from God, as we are just kind of idly going through life, when we're not investing and being intentional in relationships with God and others, he knows that that's exactly where he wants us because that is what steals, kills, and destroys what God has for us. But you see, Jesus... He gives us a purpose, and that purpose is to have a rich and satisfying life. And how do you think that we have a rich and satisfying life? Well, the Bible says that we first start in our relationship with God, and then we were created to be an intentional relationship with other people. You see, I think that for many of us, we think it's just, you know, we just go by, we coast in life, everything's okay, I don't have to get involved, I don't have to rock the boat, right? Everything's just going to be kind of chill in life. But that is not at all what God created us to do. God created us with a purpose to love him and to love others. And you know what? The the sin of sloth is the opposite of that. It's sitting idly by and being okay with nothing. You know, before we jump into the second point, I think it's important that we understand uh, what sloth is not. I'm not saying that We shouldn't rest, right? You know, the Bible is very clear. Uh, Even God himself rested when he created heaven and earth, right? There's this idea that we should rest. It's the Sabbath. Uh, A rich and satisfying life means that we get away from the busyness of life and we rest. That's That's a normal thing in life. I also don't think that sloth is the opposite of busyness. How many of you know that you can be really busy in life with things that don't matter, right? All we have to do... Is open up our phone, if you have a phone, an iPhone, there's this thing called screen time settings. Anybody have you, you know what I'm talking about, right? If you go check your screen, I'm not going to let you check mine, I'd be embarrassed. But, right, like we, we, we can be busy with the things of this world, what's going on on social media, what's going on in life, what's going on in the world, what's going on in our phone, and be away from what really is important in our life. I mean, how many of you have needed prayer for this game called Candy Crush like me, right? Like anybody ever played that game? pray for me. It's so much easier to play a game for so long that brings zero value to my life than to have to invest into something that's difficult, right? Like, we all do it. <laughs> and that's exactly where the enemy wants us. That's not where God wants us. Lastly, I want to be sensitive to those of us who, you know, maybe struggling with, maybe it's a disease that we have that takes away energy. Uh, maybe it's a, maybe a mental, mental health stuff. I mean, My wife has struggled with some of those things where it really literally sucks the life out of you. And so there are times of like grief and mourning. Maybe you've lost a loved one. And so there are times where we need healthy rest. I don't believe that God wants us there forever. But I do think that there are times that we need to understand that rest is okay. But the truth is the sin of sloth is so much more than just laziness. It's apathy. It's being self-absorbed. You know, Jesus said this, and this is why I think we need to understand why the, the, the sin of sloth is so deadly. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's, that's a lot. <laughs> There's this picture that we, we should love him with everything that we have and everything that we do. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second commandment is equally as important. We should love others, our neighbors, as ourself. And you see, I think why this is important, because the deadly sin of sloth says that I'm going to disregard all of this. I'm going to disregard, you know, what's meaningful in my life and my relationship with God. I'm going to disregard what's important in, in relationships that I have. I'm just going to coast by, and that undermines our relationship with God. That is the definition of sin, and sin separates us from God. But here, here's, here's the good news, and I think this really kind of leads to our second point, because what we've tried to do in this series is say, okay, well, if there's this sin, what are some ways that we can overcome it in our life? If this, if this is so bad, if this is so, you know, harmful in our lives, what are some ways that we can overcome it? And, and I think that it's important that we understand, really, the second point is the opposite of apathy or the opposite of sloth or being, you know, unconcerned or unenthusiastic or uncaring is faith I would say a bold faith and and I don't think it's the kind of faith where we you know kind of hide ourselves away where we just make it up our faith about us and God you know where I'm just really growing you know my faith me and my relationship with God and I think that's important very important but I think it's more than that a bold faith means that we step outside of ourselves and we engage people in the world You see, the opposite of being self-absorbed, the opposite of apathy is saying that I am going to have bold faith, a faith that says that I'm going to dare to make a difference, not only in my life or in my family life, but those around me, in my sphere of influence, that my faith is so important that it makes an impact on those who are in my life, to engage people with the message and the hope of God's word, God's truth, the gospel message that he wants to be in relationship with his people. You know, I I, I thought about this as I've prepared in this message, like what are the things that I am most passionate about life? And I want to ask you that question as we think this through. What are the the things that you are most passionate, or what is the, the thing that you're most passionate about in your life? You know, I think For many of us, there are so many things that we can be passionate about. I mean, for me, I love sports. I'm a sports fanatic. I love sports. I love football. Like, football is the best thing ever. Um, I love the Atlanta Falcons. You can continue to pray for me. Over and over and over again. But, but I just love sports, right? And we get so invested. And I love football. And I love you know, going home and watching football on Sunday. There's just something about it. I, I love and am passionate about hobbies. I, I love to play golf. I'm terrible at it, but I love to play it, right? And I spend a lot of time investing in playing golf because I really, truly care about it. You know, I'm passionate about my family. I'm passionate about my kids and what makes them tick and, and what makes them happy and, and what they love to do. Those things I'm very passionate about. You know, I think that there are ways that we are passionate about sinful habits in our life, aren't we? We'll put a lot of attention to the things that we, we know make us feel good. But, but here's, here's something that has really, really hit home to me as, I, as I've been preparing and thinking about sloth in my life. Why is it? That when I talk about the things that I'm most passionate about, the very first thing that doesn't come to mind is that I should should be passionate about my faith. Have you thought about that? Like, why is it that I'm more passionate about my life, my kids, my family, my job, my team, my hobby, my fill in the blank? Why is it that I can talk about and invest so much time in so many things, and what happens is God, who should be the number one thing in my life, over time, he gets pushed further and further and further down. Am I the only one that feels that way? You know, why is it that, 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 here's what I I don't want you to think. I don't want you to think that your your pastor, uh, one of your pastors is up here saying that, you know, that God isn't the most important thing in his life. Because listen, I love Jesus with everything that I have. Everything that I have, but if I'm, not, if I'm honest and I'm being transparent with you, there are times, a lot of times in my life, where I have elevated things, stuff, people, relationships, jobs, hobbies, whatever, above God. And you see what happens? That's called idolatry, and that is sin. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us. And you see, I think what we need to understand is that if God is number one in our life... It impacts everything about us. It impacts the way we view our time. It impacts how we engage the world around us. It impacts the way that I invest in my family and in relationships. Do you get what I'm saying? It impacts the way I view my money. You see, if God is number one in my life and I, I live this life out in bold faith, it begins to, to reach the world around me. And so I move away from my self-apathetic way of life and say, God, you're number one. And then what happens is God begins to reach the world in and through us. You know, I love this when it, it talks about faith in Hebrews chapter 11, I mean, this is kind of a, a hero verse. It's a verse of the Bible, but it says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. You see, the very beginning point of our faith is believing that God is who he says that he is, that he is the creator of heaven and of earth, and that he created you and me to be in relationship with him. And that he loves us. And when we begin to understand that, that's where faith starts. You see, the ending point of our faith is to say that what God says in his word, he will do. When God says that he will one day come back for those of us who have put our faith in him and that we will spend eternity with him, that means the way that I live my life and everything in between, the faith that I live, a bold faith, is everything in between that. You know, I think oftentimes what we do is we just coast by. You know, if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you in this room have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we should live in anticipation that one day we will be with our Creator again in a place where there is no more sin and shame and sadness and death. And what that should do is that should impact the way that we live our life. It should impact everything about us. You know, here's what I, I love about Hebrews chapter 11. It's, it's kind of like this the heroes of faith that have gone before us. It's the it's known as kind of the faith hall of fame. And every single one of these people that have been talked about, they had a bold faith that changed the world. I mean, think of a guy like Noah, right? We know Noah. God told him that he was going to flood the earth. And, and they didn't. Even, he didn't even know what rain was. He says, I'm going to bring rain. And can you imagine as all these people are walking by and he's building this boat and he's saying, yeah, it's going to rain. <laughs> And people are like, well, you're an idiot, right? Like, are you stupid? But he had bold faith, and he knew what God had told him. And so he lived his life in a way that says, I don't care what people say around me. I'm going to follow the promise of God and believe what God has said. And you know what it did? It changed his family's life, and it changed the trajectory of who we are. We get to experience the promise of God because of people like Noah. We think of Abraham, right? Abraham living in his hometown. God said, I want you to move. How hard is that when we live somewhere we, where we grow up and we have invested our roots and our time and our relationships and God says, listen, I want you to do something else. You know, how, I know that I've said no to God before, <laughs> But Abraham, he said, "Listen, I'm going to believe and trust in the promises of God. I'm going to have a bold faith that God will do what he says that he will do." And that's exactly what happened. And Abraham went and God blessed him and he brought about many nations through Abraham. Bold faith that changed the world. You know, I think of the Israelites who were in slavery. I mean, they were they were in captivity. They were being tortured. And God says, listen, I'm going to bring Moses to bring you out, and I'm going to take you into a promised land. I mean, they're probably thinking, what? Like, what? But they did it, and God was faithful in his promise. And you see, listen, you could go on and on of stories of people with bold faith. In uh, verse 32, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the story, story after story, the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Please listen, by faith. Of bold faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. You see, they didn't sit idly by. They engaged their world because they knew that there was something more. It says this in verse 34, They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight or to flight. All of these biblical heroes demonstrated the opposite of sloth. And I believe the opposite of that is having a bold faith that says that I'm willing to to believe in what God has said, what he has called me to do, what he has called us to do as his people, to engage the world and to make an impact in my sphere of influence. Not just sit idly by, not just go to church on Sunday, not just hang out with the people that make me feel comfortable. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow the power of God, what he has done in me and how he has changed me to impact those around me. Maybe it starts with your your spouse, kids or whatever it might be. Maybe it's someone at work. You know, we have so many opportunities to do this. And one way I think is Very simply, to invite someone to our Christmas Eve services. Pick up a couple of these cards on the way out. I mean, one of the easiest ways to engage someone is to say, hey, come check check out my church, Alpine Church. We've got services at this time. Missions Week, it's another way to make an impact both here locally and internationally. You know, maybe it's just loving our neighbors more. Maybe it's serving someone at work. You know, maybe it's apologizing to our spouse. Or to a loved one. I mean, I don't know what it is, but there are ways that we can engage and impact our world around us instead of just sitting idly by and making it all about us. You see, sloth, the sin of sloth says, I don't care. I don't really care. I don't have a purpose. It's really, there's really nothing that matters. But we, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says we are called to be the light of the world. We're called to be the light to the darkness. We're called to love those around us. We're called to engage those around us. You see, that's the gift that God gives us. He calls us to come alongside of him to engage the world with the truth and the message of hope and of the gospel. Let's finish with this today. As we, as we learn about this and as we think about how to overcome this sin of sloth, I think the way that we do that is this, is when we purposely engage the world, I think the payoff, the result of that, is joy. It's a joy that is unspeakable. It's a joy that is deep, that is rich and satisfying, Jesus says. You know, I think about in my life all of the times where I've thought that if I, you know, was just, if I just didn't do anything, if I just took a day off, or if I was lazier, or if I just didn't engage, you know, when I thought that that is what would bring me hope, or bring me happiness, or bring me rest, or whatever it might be, I've found that those are the times where it's most draining. And do you know why that is? It's because every single one of us in this room, young and old, we were created for a purpose. We were created for a purpose, to love God and to point other people to him. That's every single one of us in here, regardless of your age, regardless of your profession, regardless of who you are. Every single one of us are called to love God and to evangelize, to give people the hope of the world, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of him in this room, you are called to do that in your schools, young person. (laughs) You're called to do that in, in your workplace. We're called to do that in our sphere of influence with those around us. That is what we are called to do. And if if you read on in in, uh, Hebrews, in chapter 12, I, I love this. It's almost the antidote to sloth. It says in verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You know what, what I love about this? Is this is saying that all of the heroes of faith who went before us, who demonstrated bold faith, they're watching us. They're watching us from afar and they're cheering us on to say, listen, you have a purpose, you have a vision, you have a mission. And then we have other people that are, that are watching us, the way we live our life, how we do things. And God is saying, listen, instead of being slothful and lazy and engaging in sin, strip those things away and get engaged in the mission that I have given you, to run the race, the race of good, bold faith to make an impact. And you might be saying, well, how? Like, I've never done this before. Like, how do I start reading the Bible with my kids and my wife? How do I start praying when I've never done that with her before? How do I engage someone at work when I don't even know enough about Jesus? Like, how do I do this? Well, here's how we do it, we'll end with this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. (laughs) There is nothing that we can do apart from Jesus. And so when we are fearful or we are in shame because of sin or, or, or whatever it is, we can look to Jesus and say, listen, Jesus, I believe that you have a plan for me. I believe that you love me. I believe that you want me to experience your joy and your hope. I believe in that, and when we do, The Bible says that he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He initiates and perfects our faith. And here's how he does that. He doesn't just say, you know, just go and do this. No, he demonstrated it very clearly when he gave his life. It says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. You see, Jesus... It brought him great joy when he gave his life for you and for me, he was murdered. But he did that because he knew of the joy that we would experience when we put our faith in him. That our sin separates us from God and he had a purpose and a plan and that plan was to to fix that sin problem. The Bible says that when we come to Jesus and we say, listen Jesus, I give you my life, my heart, my soul, my mind, the Bible says that we are made brand new, we are changed and that brings us great joy. You know, I want to end with where we started in this series. The seven deadly sins—they're bad habits that destroy our ability to love God, to love others, and to love our ourselves. You see, sin separates us from God. It's us going our own way, and when we do that, we're separated. But Jesus loves us so much that He made a way so that we could be in relationship with Him again. The Bible says, "All we have to do." They say, Jesus, I turn to you. I lay down my sin, my shame. I lay it all down at your feet. And God, I want to be made new. And the Bible says that he then takes residence in us and our eternity is secure. The Bible says we will be saved. See, the way we overcome all of these things is to put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so wherever you're at in your journey, maybe you just need to change your priorities a little bit. Maybe you need to give your life to Christ. Wherever you are, we want to help you take the next step in that journey. We'll have pastors and leaders up here after the service. Let's pray together. Father, man, I, I just I think of this and this sin, this idea of sloth, God, and I think many of us just pass, pass it right by, and I think that's exactly what the enemy wants for us. But God, I, I just pray that you would show us the importance that you have gifted us and that you have called us for a purpose, and that is to point people to you, that we would not take it lightly, That God, instead of just going by in life, day by day, God, would we engage the world around us? Would we make an effort to show the love of Christ to those in our life, to those who need it, Lord Jesus? Again, for those in this room who need to hear from you from the first time, God, by the power of your spirit, would you draw them to you in only the way that you can, Lord? We love you so much, in your name we pray, amen.